ConnectCloud. Get connected, cyber safe is our mantra. From tailored managed security solutions to our next generation cloud platform, MetCloud will drive your organization forward and help it thrive. You can keep up to date with us in all things cybersecurity by following us on Twitter at MetCloud underscore com. We're also on LinkedIn and YouTube. You can find the links to our social media pages and blogs via our website, metcloud.com. Thanks again for joining me on the Vagguard podcast. And my guest today is Luke Swan, who is a professional cricket coach currently working for Northamptonshire County Cricket Club and Cricket East. Luke is from a small country village in rural Hertfordshire and studied English at the University of Northampton. He's also a very keen sailor and extremely passionate about countryside conservation. Luke's journey into his profession as a cricket coach started like most, playing for his local village team, and as he progressed through the age groups, became more and more involved in coaching and development and helping out those junior teams. After finishing university, he got a job at the Bedfordshire Cricket Board as Cricket Development Officer and also obtained his Level 2 and Level 2 Plus coaching qualifications. After a stint working for the Shropshire Cricket Board, Luke joined the professional coaching staff at Northamptonshire County Cricket Club in 2017, where he also obtained his Level 3 and Level 4 coaching qualifications and is now the Partnership Performance Manager and EPP Head Coach for Cricket East. Luke, thanks so much for joining me today on the Vadgard Podcast and welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Scott. Yeah, it's uh, a privilege to, to be on the podcast and uh, very much looking forward to it. Thanks, mate. Look, I, I really appreciate you giving me the time. You know, one of, one of the things I, I really love when we've spoken, you know, whether it's at a cricket ground or over the phone or whatever, um, I really love the journey that you've had and how you got involved in professional coaching, how professional coaching can be split between business and developing kids and adults. But can you just go back and, and, and tell us a little bit about the journey of how you got into professional coaching and how you ended up at North Ants uh, County Career Club and where you are today? Yeah, absolutely. It probably sounds like a bit of a cliche, to be honest, but I, I, I sort of fell into it, really. I, I got involved playing as a, as an 11-year-old at my uh, my local cricket club, uh, in Hexton in Hertfordshire and uh, sort of, you know, played up through the age groups there. And then well, I think it was, I was about 17, uh, I think. And I was, uh, I was wandering around to the, the cricket club on a Friday night when we had our, our practice. And my coach uh, collared me and said, oh, I, I've got a group of under 10s here and we've got uh, not enough coaches. Could you, could you pitch in and, and give us a hand? And I, and I initially I, I thought well no not really I, I want to want to go and have a have a practice in the nets and all that kind of thing and then obviously ended up helping out and you know carrying cones and and whatnot and just supporting in the session and yeah just from that that first session really just uh, found uh, you know the, really enjoyed it um, I, I didn't think for one minute that I'd ever make a career out of it at that of point to be, to be perfectly honest with you I mean it was obviously very very formative years uh, it, with regards to my career but uh, I was very fortunate to have a coach a chap called Gordon Allingham uh, who was very very supportive and, and sort of nurturing and, and gave very good advice and yeah just, just went from there really and I, I, I then a year later uh, went off to university 
and uh, came back in the summer and, and, and did some coaching at the club. And uh, then when I finished university, uh, I got offered a job uh, by the, uh, for the Bedfordshire Cricket Board as a community sports coach. And that was literally, uh, that was going around primary schools with a, a tub of tennis balls and a, and a quick cricket set. And, you know, just delivering what was then the, the original Chance to Shine program. From there, uh, I progressed up a little bit um, and started getting involved with the, with the county age group stuff um, and whatnot. And then, yeah, one through one way or another, really, um, I, I was uh, obviously I went to university in Northampton and, um, and we, we were in the I was in the pub one night with uh, Stephen Crook, who, who's a, a good mate of mine, who's a fantastic player for the the county since retired and, and moved back to Australia, actually, funny enough. Must be a good um, bloke then. Oh, he's a yeah, top, top bloke, mate, top bloke. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and Steve and I were in the pub and, and he, he decided uh, that winter that he wasn't going to go back to Australia to play. He was going to stay here. Uh, and one of his jobs was he was going to run the the indoor centre at, at Northampton, the, the, the coaching at the indoor centre, which was just commercial coaching, basically. Yeah. So parents would ring up and they would uh, they'd book a slot, and then a coach would get allocated, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And Steve just said over a beer, he said, "Do you, do you, do you fancy having a go?" Uh, and um, I said, "Yeah, go for it. I'll, I'll uh, gladly, gladly have a crack at that." And and then from that, really, uh, just progressed. Then uh, again, got involved with county age group coaching at, at North Ants um, through meeting Phil Rowe and, and David Ripley in and out of the indoor centre. Uh, then got involved with a little bit of the EPP and Academy. And um, yeah, just just went from there really. And in the in those kind of between times, uh, did the, the coaching qualifications level two through to four. Yep. Uh, and yeah, so that that's kind of that that's my a very brief overview of my, my journey into it, really. No, that's great. I, I mean, one of the things that I really want to, because there are some people, there's a saying, isn't there? Some people teach and some people learn or the, some people coach and some people play. What do you think drew you into the coaching side of things? Was it the nurturing side of things? Was it was it the ability of, of turning someone's game around? What, what was that? I, I don't want to say North Star, but what was that pull that took you into coaching? Yeah, it's a fantastic question, really. I, I, th- I think initially... Uh, when I was just helping out as a as a club coach and and doing a little bit of, uh, of coaching back in Bedfordshire, it was more just something that I I enjoyed doing, you know, just yeah. and just something that I, I discovered that I I really enjoyed doing. I think when uh, that that kind of uh, and I like your you, you, your descriptor there, the North Star. I, th- I think that mm. kind of moment was. Uh, I was in the indoor centre at, at Northampton, and I was uh, I was in a, a lane doing some coaching next to um, a, a, uh, one of the other coaches, and uh, I was just uh, I'd finished my session, and I was just sat on the bowling machine that look, uh, looking over at, at what this coach was doing, and I just found it absolutely fascinating, Scott, the way he was communicating with the player. Uh, the way the player was interacting with with the coach, and you know, j- just the uh, the support and the clear kind of development that was going on with within that that small session, 
and yeah, I just found it absolutely fascinating. And then, and then through that, um, going on to the level three coaching qualification, and because uh, you know the, the coaching qualifications in this country are, are, are split slightly. You've got level one and two. Uh, and the old two plus, which are done kind of uh, internally uh, at the mm-hmm. counties, right. and then three and four, which are run by the ECB. Gotcha. So when you when you go on to the level three, you 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 then you go away and and, and uh, attend modules and whatnot at, at Derby County Cricket Club, and for the first time, um, you know, walking into the room on that course. And having the likes of uh, crikey, I mean, Alex Tudor was on on my course. Geraint Jones was on my course. Wow. The the kind of the next thing was right. You've got guys in here that have played loads of Test cricket, let alone county cricket, and this is a fantastic learning opportunity. And then watching how coach educators and those guys worked and how they they interacted and communicated, I just found it absolutely fascinating. Uh, and it was something that. I at that point it was right. Okay, I could probably look at making a career out of this. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. This is yeah. kind of when it started to get a bit more kind of serious in terms of this maybe isn't just a hobby anymore. This is this is looking more and more like it, it could develop into a a job of sorts. So I, I think that's kind of initially what drew me to it, and then that sort of catalyst for wanting to go further in it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it does make it makes perfect sense. Was there was there any fundamentals during those early days that you thought, you know, this is what makes a good coach, in my opinion? Were there key elements when you watch Gordon at Hexton, or when you, you know, listen to David and Phil at Northampton, or you know, you saw Alex Tudor and Geraint Jones at these other events? Did you, did, was there any common denominator that that you thought that's what makes a good coach? Yeah, I, I think that the sort of the, the two that probably uh, well, there's obviously a lot more than two, but the, the the initial ones that stood out for me were the observation and the listening skills, mm-hmm. which are, are, are required. And in a sport where the the coaching tendencies early on tend to be a bit tell tell tell. Uh, which is quite an easy trap to fall into, whether that's through role justification or whether you just feel that you've got to impart knowledge. Uh, and that that's something that the tell approach was something I was never very comfortable with, to be honest with you. And I, I remember when I did my, my level two uh, course, one of the bits of feedback I got was, um, you know, you're organized, you're prepared, uh, but you're not talking enough. Right, and I, and I I sort of went away with that, and I thought, right, okay, got to talk more. Yeah, you know, I've got to I've got to be more pr- of a presence and all this sort of thing. So, yeah, uh, in the preceding sessions, as you do as a very young naive coach, uh, you go into sessions and you try and do something that you're not really very naturally good at doing. And in my case, that was you know talking a lot. And, and I, I got to the point there where I, I just thought, you know, this this isn't working. You know, that this is this is not how. Uh, these are not the fun, not a fundamental that I, I feel uh, is particularly something that I'm 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 that good at. And then, mm-hmm. well, funny enough, when I went on to the went on to the level three, one of the first bits of feedback you, you have to do back back then you had to do mock assessments and all and yep. all sorts over the course of the year of the course. And one of the bits of feedback I, I got fairly consistently was your observational skills and your listening skills are, are, are pretty good. 
uh, and you don't talk too much, which is which is a good thing. Yeah. And I, I'm there then thinking, right, hang on a minute. I, I get told on my level two that I'm not talking enough, and now I I'm being told on the on the higher course that that's actually a bit of a strength. So from that, I think the learning from that was very much the the fundamentals that you you sort of identify that you uh, whether that whether you resonate with them or whether it's just something that you do naturally. I think it's important that that you sort of you focus on those. I mean, we, we've obviously we we there, there are times in coaching when we've got to operate across the spectrum, yeah. and uh, and you, you one day you've got to be far more vocal than you have the next day. Uh, so, for example, if if you're working with a pro, there can be far less generally far less input uh, than if you're working with a, an EPP under fourteen or fifteen player for obvious reasons. So, yeah, the, the, definitely the, the the observation and listening um, are, are definitely two things that that sit at the top of my coaching philosophy. And again, I, I don't know whether that's because they came naturally to me in my formative years as a coach I, I have no idea um you know like I said initially uh, I was I, I was under the impression that they that it wasn't necessarily a good thing but then as I've gone up the ladder a little bit further and realized actually that that's um a strength rather rather than something that I was I wasn't particularly good at so yeah I guess I guess those are the key fundamentals that I I, I stick to I think it's a perfect segue into a comment that I've just made here and that is are elements of coaching relevant to take into business and management? And I think you've just answered that quite beautifully, actually. And that is the whole, you know, when you when you go into enterprise or you go into business and management, the whole basis of a good manager is someone that can listen, observe, and then communicate, as opposed to the other way around. And you know, that's the way I see it. How would you see? It? I mean, you've had you've had experience in in enterprise, you know, dealing with corporates, and you know, through your job as a coach, do you think that's a that's a fair enough comment? Oh, absolutely. I, I think those uh, that those skills are, are remarkably transferable. Really. Yeah. Um, I mean, as as an example, I mean, when I started my current role, it, it was a, a, a brand new role. Really, it was something that had not been done before, like a a, a merger between a national county and a first class county and a partnership. And I, I literally just uh, spent the first four months going from session to session, meeting to meeting with my notepad and ju- just literally watching and observing uh, as as much as I could uh, and uh, really trying to learn about the environment and the people within it. And I, I think wh- whether you're in a business environment or a corporate environment or a sport environment, I, I think th- those principles are very, very relevant because if you're going to successfully manage people, uh, first of all, you need to learn about them and you need to understand them. You need to understand how they learn, what makes them tick, what their motivations are. And I, I think uh, in whatever whatever industry you're in, you know, talking at people isn't necessarily the most productive way of doing that as much as, you know, I, I call them golden questions. You know, yep. if you have an opportunity to ask someone a golden question and learn about them, then you're going to... Uh, I think probably be far more effective in a managerial role than if you just go in all guns blazing and try and reinvent the wheel, so to speak. So yeah, I, I think they're they're incredibly transferable, and um, certainly from a leadership perspective, um, I, I think the commonalities between sports and uh, and the business industry are, are massive. I think. 
Yeah, I, I think that's coming more and more relevant now too, isn't it? You know, there's more sports analogies in business meetings than I think that I've ever heard of in my life. You know, half of them's probably from me, by the way. But, um, you know, I think it's a fair point. You know, it's all about, you know, most sales leaders that I speak to, peers, you know, um, mentors, whatever, all look for that commonality being, you know, someone that's played sport, always a CV goes to the top of the pile if they've played sport at a pretty high level because that means – or a team sport at a pretty high level because that means they can communicate. They know how to work as a team. They know how to work in harmony with people. They may not get on with outside of that team, but they have the ability of adapting to ensure that they get the best out of everyone and, and have a commonality, which is which is winning the winning the game or, or winning the deal or whatever. So um, I think there's a lot of skills there. The other thing that you really made a good point on was – the ability of coming in as a new manager and observing, you know, I've never seen a manager that's come in and changed things in two weeks last longer than a year, yet I've seen so many people and one of my really good mentors, Gary, I remember when he first came into the company I was with, came in and observed for the first quarter and everyone's going, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden he's turned the company around. We grew through 300%. So I, I think that's a really good point and it's it's a really, really good point to make from a sporting analogy as well as a business one. One of the things I really wanted to tack into is that you you and I have known each other now for a couple of years and, you know, we talk about life skills and we talk about development of, of youth cricketers. Um, but, you know, uniquely you and I talk about management and just general life skills and, and development of individuals as opposed to just cricket players. And we spoke about a presentation you did, you know, in a sports environment, but then you were asked to do this in a corporate environment all about failure and that being an essential part of development. And I couldn't agree more. You know, every person that I've had on this podcast has spoken about failing being an important part of the development to, to, to have made them where they are today. Could you give us a, a, an overview of that, of the fundamentals of that presentation? Obviously, we haven't got time to go in the whole lot here because I think it's brilliant and I think everyone should know about failure being a you know a, a fundamental and an essential part of development could you just run through that presentation you know in a in a quick overview for us yeah absolutely um i, I mean the, the the sort of the inspiration from it that dates back a long time to, to be honest with you scott it, Great, it was yeah. my my housemaster at school w was way ahead of his time um in terms of uh, encouraging people to understand that you know failure is essentially you know an essential part of development. In 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 his case, he was a, he was a sports master, so you know he, yeah. he, his context was sport. And I, I always remember his his saying, "You don't learn a lot from winning the race." And obviously, to to a, a, a schoolboy, that that doesn't mean a, a great deal. And then you <laughs> you you move yeah, you move into into the sports industry as a coach or player or, or whatever. And you actually realise, or I realise certainly how prevalent that actually was. Cricket by nature, I mean, we use cricket as an example. Cricket by nature is is famous as a sport where you fail more times than you succeed. And that, that's what makes it such a great sport. Absolutely. Because it's, yep. it's so challenging. So the presentation itself came about essentially from... Uh, working in a lot of coaching environments where I'd witnessed players being, you know, chastised for, for failing or losing in, in, in a, a multitude of different contexts. Uh, and what, one of these was uh, through uh, parental backlash, you know, through coaches uh, wanting to win games and, uh, and, you know, to justify roles and all this sort of thing. 
And I think that that was always nearly always predicated by lack of understanding, which is obviously mm-hmm. no one's fault. Yeah. So going into it and doing a bit of research into it, you know, I, I look back at my journey. I mean, I, I, I can't remember. I wrote this presentation about three or four years ago. Now, I, I sort of went back and looked at looked at my journey, and you know, hand on heart, and I genuinely mean this. That this isn't just a, an off the cuff uh, comment, but I, I've I've failed more times than most people have tried in, in what sure. I do. Right, uh, yep. and I, I genuinely mean that. Although failing at the time isn't a particularly nice thing, uh, what you do learn through experience, it's a fantastic learning opportunity and an opportunity to develop. So the, the, the idea of the, uh, the sort of that presentation initially was to sort of highlight that really. Uh, and we, failure certainly in youth sports uh is is seen as a very negative thing you know because you've got to win the game you've got to score runs you've got to take wickets and all this yeah, sort of thing of but yeah the fact is i think if you understand that failure is a learning opportunity and that uh you are going to fail more times than that you're going to succeed in the context of cricket and i know that's very relevant for, for other industries as well and other environments then you're arming yourself with a far better battery of ammunition, for want of a better descriptor, to actually then cope and deal with failure. And I think the the real important thing is that we install that into our youngsters from you know the, almost the word go, whether that be from the under tens, uh, you know, all the way through. Because crikey, I mean, they, they have enough battles as it is, you know, Absolutely. whether it's through selection, deselection, um, and then of course. Uh, you know, if they get into a county setup, for example, these young players, you know, then the more uh, outside pressures obviously come with that. So I, th- I think the yeah, the, the, just the the overall view really that uh, understanding that failure is 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 essential if you're going to learn, uh, and that, and that's really really important. And we all have different experiences of failure, obviously, um, but more often than not, if if you can, I, th- I think if you can develop a strategy whereby you cope with failure uh, and you learn from failure you're you're standing yourself in a pretty good stead and that that essentially is what what the presentation is about if data had a sound it could be this the sound of important and sensitive information leaking out of your business MedCloud. Get connected, cyber safe. And the ability of challenging yourself to the point of failure is a really key aspect of that presentation which I, I love, and that is, you know, you've got to learn to push yourself to that point of failure to be able to then understand where the success point is so you know how to throttle back to be more successful or to push yourself, push yourself, push yourself to that point of value, which is always going to get you better in the long run anyway, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. The, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much, it's only by pushing oneself, to, you know, beyond all, in, in a lot of cases, beyond your current skill level that you learn what you need to do to, to, to achieve the next level. 
and I, I think the, the key element to coaching here, whether it be business or, or sports, is that um, you know we create a, a high challenge, high support environment whereby um, people are, you know, players or, or, or whatever, yeah. are encouraged to understand that it's in, in that particular instance, it's safe to fail and yep. it's safe to go in and, and, and experiment and push yourself. Um, because in the end of the day, again, to use a cricket context, you don't learn a great deal by going on a, on a bowling machine and hitting 65 mile an hour half volleys. Exactly. Um, you know, it, it, it may give you a feel good factor and, it, it, you know, you may feel the ball coming out of the middle of the bat regularly. But the fact is, um, if you go in and you stick it on 75 miles an hour back of a length, we, you're going to learn far more in terms of how to deal with with tough bowling, which is essentially if you want to get to the next level as a cricket yep. example, that's what you're going to have to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's fair to say too, and I, I've witnessed this over the last couple of years too, the individuals, whether they be young cricketers or older cricketers, the ones that have had those setbacks and had the ability of pushing themselves at a higher level are normally the ones that have succeeded later on in the season or into the next season because they've learnt to cope with that failure They've learnt to understand from that failure and then take those lessons and learnings into the back part of the season or the next season to actually become better players or or certainly learn more about their game as well. And I, I, I think that's a, a fantastic scenario oh, – sorry, um, uh, lesson that, that, that people can learn. But then in turn – pushing that into the business environment, people that, you know, want to go after that big whale of a deal or, you know, want to go after the deal that everyone says you're never going to get. It's it's being able to actually push that and learn from those setbacks that are going to take you and have those learnings for the next time you go after those bigger opportunities. And I think that's really important. The Again, in a, a sporting context, I think that's pretty much the holy grail of, of elite development, really. You know, see it time and time again over the years where players who – uh, experience failure early on and experience setbacks, whether that's through, uh, you know, uh, maturation, through being uh, put in environments that they're not quite strong enough for at that point. They tend to be the players who then develop strategies and learn to overcome that failure. Yeah, and there's there's several ex- several examples at the moment um, of players that have just graduated from our academy who have done just that. Uh, and have you know not necessarily been the most prolific uh, players in, in their formative years as 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 youth cricketers, yep. but because they learned to overcome setbacks and they learned to overcome failure and they developed those strategies early on, they were then able to adapt those and uh, utilize those strategies as they then went through the the uh, the higher higher ranks of the pathway. And that they, I'd say that there's, it's no coincidence that those are the guys who generally go on to succeed. Yeah, it's funny because I look at my representative cricket when I was a kid and it was always the kids that were prolific run scorers or, or the prolific bowlers that got so many wickets, yet they never really accounted to anything. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. What I'm saying there is they ended up being average park cricketers, whereas in really early on in the juniors, they were actually guns. But the ones yeah, that were av- yeah. actually average guns turned out to be phenomenal 
grade cricketers or in turn state and, and international cricketers because they had that ability of, of understanding what their game is, pushing themselves to that point of failure and knowing how to, to handle that failure development. And I think that's, I think that's oh, really absolutely. important. Yep. And I think coaches now are better equipped to deal with that too. Yes, yeah. We speak. Uh, we're, 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 uh, funny enough, on uh, on Saturday, we've uh, tomorrow, we're, we've got a coach education thing at uh, over in Huntingdon, and um, I think one of the, the most prolific points that I think I, I draw back to when talking to new up and coming coaches is the whole um, you know w- winning winning a game do- doesn't necessarily or, or it very rarely justify your role as a coach. Mm. Um, developing being a a player development support uh, mechanism for want of again for want of a better word um, is far far more important because um, if you're uh, supporting these guys in their development and again helping them to to understand that um, you know failure is isn't isn't a negative thing uh, and for you as a coach also understanding that if your players go out and lose a game the chances are they're going to learn far more from that than they are if they just go and steamroller aside. So I, I think that that's a really important point to remember. And um, that you know that our, our our main role early on certainly is is very much that player development centric role. And, yeah. and if you go and win a few games of cricket, fantastic. You know, brilliant. You know, that that's Absolutely. the feel good factor. Uh, but it's 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 having those priorities in place. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and and as we keep saying here, you know, we can interchange the word of coach to manager and the player to staff. And it's such a great story for any young manager or senior manager, even, you know, someone my age, for instance, there's so many things you can take out of this conversation that you can take into the business environment. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. You can almost cookie cutter it. No, no problem whatsoever. Mm. There's a, there's a term in the, in the presentation that I love. I just love this term. And it's called, and and you've coined it failure to success. It's almost like a strategy or a a journey. But can you give me some examples of why that you know why you think that resonates with everyone? Because I think it's a fantastic saying. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, uh, again, um, th- that's this sort of came from uh, you know I was I was working as head of cricket at a, at a school in Shropshire at the time, and um, it, it's establishing the understanding. It is absolutely key of, of what the failure to success connotation implies. We grow up in an education system in this country whereby um, you know failure is is a, is a negative connotation. And a very very broad example here would be you fail your GCSEs, you can't go on and do A levels and, and stuff like that. Now I know there's a lot more to it than that, but the general gist is that that's how you're judged. You know that that's how your your success is judged. However, I think if you flip it on its head and you focus on failure as being just another means of learning, so you know you've you've got seminars, you've got lessons, you've got coaching sessions, et cetera, et cetera, they're all means of learning. Um, and failure is just another one of those. Yeah. And learning also that it's something not to be frightened of. I think that's very, very important because it, particularly, I think in a <clears throat> in a target driven business environment, or a sport environment, you know, stats tend to tend to speak volumes as much as we don't want them to, but they, they do. That's a fact of life. Yeah. And um, if those stats maybe aren't where they need to be, then that that whole fear of failure thing can really kick in. 
Yeah, I forget who says this, uh, who said this quote, but I, I love it. And it, it's um, uh, a quote that says, fail, fail your way to success. And I just think that's a fantastic thing to remember. You just uh, listen to people like Michael Jordan and guys like that. You know, he would uh, he would fail over and over again. He would miss over and over again, but eventually he'd practice so hard that he would make the shot. Yeah, and and, and you know, and all this this this, this kind of thing. So yeah, I I, th- I think the it's developing the understanding of what failure to success looks like. Um, and understanding that it's it's a very individual thing uh, and what that means to you, you know. So how, how can you essentially fail your way to success if that's what it takes? Yeah, no, it means it means a lot. And you know, I understand what you're saying. I think Michael Jordan does quote it a lot, doesn't he? Saying, you know, I've missed. What do you say? I missed twenty thousand hoops or something, but I made yeah. seventeen thousand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was those seventeen thousand that made the final. You know, blah 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 blah. So, um, and what would have happened if I hadn't have tried? What would have happened if I hadn't Absolutely. made those shots? You know, so it's it's that kind of connotation. I think everyone can take that into whatever uh, area of life they can they want to take it in. I've got a final question here that I want to go into before we go into our quick fire three at the end, and I think it's it, it brings this whole failure to success and failure being that essential part of development full circle. Is there anything we can do to train ourselves to react or pivot to success, either during or after a failure? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, again, um, I, I believe this is this is very dependent on the individual because yeah, of um, course, the, uh, how people react to failure it varies enormously, and that that's one thing. When I when I when I did this bit of research um, uh, from you know uh, taking a cross section of youth sports people, teachers, and business people, um, how people reacted. Uh, was was incredibly individual so i, I think that, mm-hmm. that that's one generic that, that's one generic point um the second generic point would be however no matter how you react i think always look for the positive because if you look hard enough you you will find one because there's always a positive grab hold of it don't let it go because that can be your your footing for your really strong foundation whether that's developing a strategy to overcome your next failure, whether it's understanding uh, that what you did that this time around maybe wasn't quite good enough for that level, but you now know, right, this is what I need to do to to be good enough next time. Again, focusing on the positive, so just grabbing hold of that positive. And also, I think developing an understanding of what success looks like is also important. So, you know, one person's success can look very different from another person's, even if you're very similar and you work in the same industry. Success can can mean very different things. And one thing we talk an awful lot about is um, if you can walk out of a room uh, with that one small golden learning that you didn't have when you walked in, Mm. uh, that can be as powerful as a promotion or a headhunt or something like that, you know? So, um, yeah, developing an understanding of what success looks like to you, uh, and making sure that no matter how tough the situation or always look for the positive because, because that, that's the thing that's going to pull you through. I think that's a great point. That's a really good point to, to end this part of the podcast on. The one thing I will say from my experience too, that success looks differently as you progress, either in your career or as you get older as well, success does absolutely your your perception of success, as you say, is quite different to anyone else's. 
when I say quite different, it could be mildly different or it could be massively different. But also, as you get older, and I can say this as I'm old, but as you do get older, your success criteria massively, massively changes. For instance, you know, from a cricket terminology, you know, before my son played cricket, it'd be all about me making hundreds or me making, you know, or, or the team winning and stuff like that. Now I don't care if I go out and bat for a hundred balls and make five runs, but if I'm batting, batting down the other end of my son, to me, that's success. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, no, so that's, that's, I, I think that's, that's a massive point. Absolutely. No, I love it. And, and, and just finally on that, the other success to that is too, is if I'm down the other end, I'm watching all the kids come through and I can help them progress in their, in their, whether it's their career, whether it's in their enjoyment of the game or in a business sense, I'm down the other end, managing, mentoring or leading uh, a team and seeing their success. And, and that to me, as I've got older, seeing other people's success for me is the success I get now. It's not my own yeah. personal success. It's about the development of others, and I, I really enjoy that. And, and I know you're similar to that as well. Yeah, very much so. I, I think that's one of the, the key motivators for, for, for being a coach, really. You know, I, yeah. I really do. I, I think it's, um, you know, that's something definitely to, to, uh, to, to focus on and, and definite motivator, absolutely. Absolutely agree. Mate, this has been wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So many people and so many listeners are going to get so much out of this. The analogy between professional sports mentality and a professional in business, whether it's sales, marketing, you know, content creating, whatever, whatever you do, there are so many things here. We all fail and we all succeed. And it's taking the, the the lessons from this podcast that I, I think a lot of people will get out of. So thanks so much for going through that presentation. I'm sure uh, if people are interested to learn more about this, tell them I, I want people to contact me and, you know, I can get you in touch with Luke because I think it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful story and um, uh, and lesson that everyone can learn from. Luke, I'm going to put you on the spot here for three more questions. And these are just right, very okay. quick fire questions. <laughs> Don't be worried. They're all, they're all okay. But one of the things I wanted to ask you and I, uh, you know, I love this question because I'm a lot further past 20 than you are. But what do you wish you knew at 20 that you do now? Right. Uh, I would say off the cuff, uh, listen to everyone, but filter what advice you act upon. I think oh, that, that I would that. be if I was, yeah, if I was to say something to my 20-year-old self, uh, listen to everyone, but but filter what you actually act upon and what you actually impart. I love that. that that's really good. That's a really good one. What about, you know, I know you're in a job that you absolutely adore and love to do, but what is your dream job and why? Yeah, I mean, I, it, the one I've got would be pretty close to it, um, yeah. to, to be honest. Uh, for, for That's the a cop-out, that, by the way. We've just, just got, that is a cop-out, but I'll, 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 throw <laughs> a cur- I'll throw a curveball in. Um, Go on. When I finish with cricket, it would be something to do with uh you know the countryside estate management something like that you know a, a managerial maybe leadership role w- within that environment that's something i'm very very passionate about and again yeah uh something that i think the skills that uh i could take from cricket would be very transferable so yeah something i'm equally passionate about a very different environment obviously and a, a, a uh, dealing with a very very diverse range of of individuals but yeah that, mm-hmm. that would be uh, I, I guess that would be it yeah personally i thought you were going to come up with america's cup captain because i know how much you're into your sailing <laughs> and i thought that would have been it but oh, uh, yeah. no, that's you know we'll, we'll leave that for another day um and finally yeah. 
I want to ask you this one. I love this question. Is is there one quote or methodology you live by or take into everything you do? Yes, in short, there, there is. And yep. I'm glad you asked this one because I, I, I can actually answer this one properly. <laughs> um, and, and it's it's as simple as basically just just be humble because no matter yep. how good you become at what you do, there's always someone more powerful. Absolutely. And I, and I think if you if you remember that, some of the the best coaches and players that I, I've had the pleasure of sharing an environment with, you know, international players and coaches mm-hmm. um, are generally very, very humble people, very down to earth people. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, um, you can become unbelievably good at what you do, but there will always be someone better. So yeah, yeah that, that would be my, the, the thing that I, I sort of, that that's my methodology that I would, uh, that I would stick by. I think that's a good one. I think most of the um, world-class individuals that we've met along the way, whether they be cricketers or Olympians or whatever, the best ones and the and and the most successful ones are normally the ones that are most humble. I agree with you, Luke. I want to thank you so much for your time this morning. We've um, we've covered a lot, and certainly we've covered a topic that I think is so relevant to students, sports people business people, everyone, everyone can can really learn from the conversation we've had today. We could dig so much deeper. I want to thank you very much for your time and 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 for sharing this with us. And, um, you know, I wish you all the very best for uh, going into the winter session with North Hants and, uh, and Division One in 2022. And, um, and hopefully they, hopefully they have a good, uh, a good season next year. No, that's brilliant, and uh, yeah, th- thank you very much for having having me on the podcast, Scott. It's uh, fantastic. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Good on you, mate. Thank you. My thanks to Luke for joining me this morning and talking about a subject that a lot of people are frightened of, and that's failure. We sometimes see failure as a huge negative, but changing of one's mindset, having the support of coaches and leaders, can be your stepping stone to success. Synergy between high level sports and businesses is nothing new, but using failure to define your current limits, operate within those limits whilst training to build on those areas of development will make you successful. But again, you need to have the support of your leaders to make it okay to fail and as part of that development process. Luke talks about every successful cricketer he knows failing on their way to success and when ensuring it's safe to fail, promoting an environment of trust, learning and positivity, which benefits everyone, is the foundation of a team success. Thanks again, Luke, and good luck with you and the North Hands Cricket Club for next season and back in Division 1. Thanks to all our listeners, and please subscribe on your favourite podcast streaming service. And remember, take care, stay safe, and keep on innovating.